Lord bless us. Let's turn to the scriptures, please. Turn to the book of Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles, please. I may be a little loud, am I? Second Chronicles, chapter twenty-nine. Second Chronicles twenty-nine, beginning to read at verse twenty. Then Hezekiah the king rose early and gathered the rulers of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. And they brought seven bullocks, seven rams and seven lambs, seven he-goats for a sin offering for the, king, for the kingdom and for the sanctuary and for Judah. And he commanded the priests, the sons of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. So they killed the bullocks And the priests received the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. Likewise, when they had killed the rams, they sprinkled the blood upon the altar. They killed also the lambs and they sprinkled the blood upon the altar. And when they had brought forth the he-goat for the sin offering before the king and the congregation, and they laid their hands upon them, and the priests killed them and made They made reconciliation with their blood upon the altar to make an atonement for all Israel. For the king commanded that the burnt offering and the sin offering should be made for all Israel. And he set the Levites in the house of the Lord with the cymbals and psalteries and with harps according to the commandment of David and of God the king's seer and Nathan the prophet. For so was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. And the Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets. And Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offering upon the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began also. With the trumpets and with the instruments ordained by David, king of Israel. And all the congregation worshipped. And the singers sang and the trumpeters sounded. And all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had made an end of offering, the king and all that were present with him bowed themselves and worshipped. Moreover, Hezekiah the king and the princes commanded the Levites to sing praise unto the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. And they sang praises with gladness. And they bowed their heads and worshipped. Let's pray. Father, take this word, Lord, and wing it home to every heart as you see fit. And teach us in the way. Show us the ways of our God this evening. And help us, Lord, to... Lord, the, the events of this evening that of may of Cause some distress, Lord. We ask you to touch Tommy in his body and heal him in his mind and that no lasting hurt or injury will be done. We ask you, Lord, that Tommy will do well. And Lord, for those of us who are here, Lord, to, to sit under your word, we ask you, Lord, to help us have a clear mind. Not just to preach thine own word, but also, Lord, that you would help us to take thy word on board and to listen to the word of God, to practice the word, to glorify the Son of God. We'll worship you and we'll love you, Lord. 
We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In our reading in Second Chronicles, we have a picture of the temple. We have the picture of King Hezekiah, picture of the priests and the Levites, and all the workers of the temple. We have mentioned that there are seven rams, seven bullocks, seven lambs, and seven he goats ready for slaughter, ready to be offered up unto the Lord, that a blood offering will be sent up to God. For that's what God requires to make atonement for the sin of people. And here we have them gathering together. Also it mentions the congregation. And something special happens. You see, in this portion of scripture, Hezekiah is the king of Judah. The king of Judah is the southern kingdom of the twelve tribes of Israel, comprising of Judah, Benjamin, with the scattering of the Levitical priestly tribe. And then in the north we had, of course, the ten tribes of Israel, knowing as the house of Israel, who also had a line of kings who were all wicked. And they broke away from the southern kingdom and created two nations. There was a capital city of Samaria in the north, and the kings of Israel differed from the kings of Judah. In fact, they warred one with another at one time. And kings of Israel and their people, the ten tribes, were carried away as a judgment of God, captive by the Assyrians. And now there are a sprinkling, a measure, what's known in the scriptures as a gleaning of grapes are left. Those who have escaped from some of the tribes are still about. Some have moved down into the southern kingdom of Judah. And here we have Hezekiah in Jerusalem at the temple. And he is the king for things started to go wrong in Judah. And Hezekiah is known as a reformer. Hezekiah is a true biblical reformer. Hezekiah was a reformer who would take all the rubbish that had come into the land. That is into spiritual worship and cast it out. You know when we hear of the Protestant Reformation. Really Reformation simply means this. To make better by the removal of faults. And that's what the reformers wanted to do when they broke from the church of Rome. They wanted to remove the faults that were there. And they wanted the church to be the New Testament church. They wanted the church to be a Holy Ghost filled, blood washed, blood bought church. Not a church of works and sacraments and sacrifice. Here we have the reformer in the Old Testament is Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, he really wants the true worship of the Lord to come back into the land. Some years before, Solomon, David's son, we know Solomon with all his wealth, but Solomon with his wisdom, he builds the first great temple, the great edifice of the Lord in Jerusalem. And Solomon dedicates the temple unto the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 5 verses 13 and 14 says these words. In fact, you were singing them. The first course that Gary led us in. Um, for you are good, you are good and your love endures. About the sacrifice made and the glory coming. It's from this portion of scripture. And it's from when this, the, the sacrifice was made. And it's from the glory cloud of Jehovah Coming into the temple. Listen to Second Chronicles 5 verses 13 and 14. And it came to pass. As the trumpeters and singers were as one. Remember singing in unison we sang. As they were in one. 
to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lift up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praise the Lord saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. That's what you're singing when you're singing that chorus, that we're wanting the glory of the Lord to come back. They want the glory of the Lord to fill this house and to touch every heart. That's what we're singing. When we're singing that wonderful chorus. But now we have Hezekiah some years down the line. Hezekiah is a a relative and uh, Solomon is his ancestor. And Hezekiah has realized that worship is gone. That the nation has fallen. That things have come into the land that have caused idolatry and spiritual adultery toward the Lord. And here Hezekiah wants to reform the nation And he gathers all together, wanting to go back to the old ways. Wanting to go back to the old things that brought the glory cloud, that brought the presence of God, and brought the presence of the Lord in. Notice what it says in verse 27 of our reading. And Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offering upon the altar, and when the burnt offering began, notice that, when the burnt offering began, The song of the Lord began. Also with the trumpets and with the instruments ordained by David, the king of Israel. That is his ancestor, David, Solomon's father. Now here is what brings national repentance. This brings national reformation. It brings revival and national resurrection A nation without God is a nation in turmoil and in distress. A nation without God does not do well in battle. A nation without God has left all its strengths and all its powers, no matter the amount of its military might. A nation without God was falling in commerce and in finance. This nation is our nation, America and the Western nations, We are falling because our nation is putting the things of God outside the door. They don't want to know the things of God. They don't want to listen to the gospel anymore. They don't want to hear of saving grace. They don't want to hear of the commandments of the Lord. They don't want anything to do with prayers in the the universities. Or they don't want to hear it even in homes anymore. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. And such was ancient Israel, even as our nations are tonight. They had fallen deeply into sin. Homosexuality was rife in the land. It was everywhere. They brought in worship of all sorts of animals and creations and statues. They set up groves instead of worshipping the one true living God. Here they were a nation of abomination. And now Israel, the house of Israel, has been carried away, never to return as a kingdom again, scattered through the nations through time, and of course coming across the Caucasus right into our nations tonight. But the house of Judah, that's where 
we get the derivative name due from. The house of Judah are now left. And there's only a sprinkling, if you want, a gleaning of grapes left from the northern kingdom. National repentance, national reformation and revival and national resurrection happens when it starts in the church. Here is the worship of Jehovah and it starts in the church. Let me just look at a moment at what had happened. Hezekiah was the son of Ahaz. Ahaz, of course, his father was king of the southern kingdom of Judah also. And Ahaz's name, all the names in the Bible would mean something. Generally talks of a prophetic way that they will live. For example, Jacob became Israel. Jacob was known means a heel grabber, a twister, a surplanter. He was a con artist. But when he wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night, the Lord said, Thou shalt no more be called Jacob, but Israel, a prince ruling with God. And that's what happened. And that's what came to pass. So the name changes and the names given are even prophetic. Ahaz means he has grasped. Ahaz means he has grasped. It also means possessing or possessor. But here's the thing. What did Ahaz grasp? What was Ahaz holding on to? What was his lifestyle like? What did did this ruler, this king, this man of power, and this man of influence and privilege grasp in life? What did he lay hold on as he lived all those years? What did he possess in life? I know he was a king, but what spiritual ground did he possess? In other words, you can have everything. You can have the riches of Solomon. You can have the world's wealth. And that's why Jesus says, what shall it profit For a man, if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You might think you've plenty. You might think you're doing well. You might be happy with your life even. You might be glad where you are and the condition you are in. But let me say this, we will all stand before God and it's what we have grasped in our heart. It's whom we know in life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And whether he is our saviour or not, whether we will enter heaven or the kingdom of God or not. Here, Hezekiah means he has grasped. I wonder what he grasped. What did he possess or I wonder what possessed him. For that which is in your heart will possess you. Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, said the Lord Jesus. In other words, if your heart is full of anger, sooner or later, the anger will come out. If your heart's full of resentment, sooner or later, resentment will come out. If your heart's full of hate and bitterness and sin, that's what comes out. But if your heart is full of the Word of God, if your heart is full of the Gospel, if your heart is full of Christ, if your heart is full of the Spirit of God, if your heart is full of godliness, that's what will be betrayed in your life as you live a sanctified, righteous holy life before the sight of God how's your life tonight and what is your heart filled with you might say my heart isn't that bad you know what the Lord said he says if the darkness be in you be darkness how great is that darkness in other words if there be a spot of darkness how great is it for it's deeper 
it goes further. And sin will always bring you to places you never wanted to go. For the addictions that hold men and bind people, whether it be alcohol, drugs, or pornography, or fornication, or whether it's relationships one to another, no matter what it is, you need someone to come and break every chain, unbind every fetter, to set you the captive free. And we're told in the scriptures that he whom the Son sets free, he is free. Free indeed, and you can be free tonight if you yield yourself to Christ. Here we have the name means he has grasped, Ahaz, he has grasped. But I wondered what possessed him. Let me go a little further. His father's name is Jotham. Jotham. And Jotham, the king before him, Hezekiah's grandfather. Listen to what the Bible tells us about him in 2 Chronicles 27 and verse 2. It says that Jotham did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all his father Ahaz. Howbeit, there's always a but. There's always a but. Howbeit, he entered not into the temple of the Lord. And the people did yet corruptly. No matter how hard he tried, Jotham realizes there's only one good and that is God. That there's none righteous, no, not one. Jotham realized, because Jotham's name means Jehovah or Yahweh alone is perfect. Yahweh alone is God and he is upright. And Jotham realized, he says, only God alone can change this situation. Only God alone is worthy of the praise. Only Jehovah God alone, he alone is perfect and upright that every single man and woman, no matter how good we are, no matter how hard we try, no matter what we try and do, alms and giving and deeds and charities and works, friend, they're all filthy rags before the Lord for God alone is upright and perfect and good. If you're looking for a Christian to be perfect, you'll be looking for all eternity or until Christ returns. It's by the grace of God that we live. It's by the grace of God that we carry out our lives. We live a sanctified life. We fail in that sanctified life. And we fall in that sanctified life. But thank God his grace lifts us up again and tells us to keep on going. Here we have, Jotham means Yahweh or Jehovah is perfect and upright. The people were still corrupt. What happened that they started sliding back or backsliding? What happened? Well, let's look at Uzziah. Uzziah, his father, Hezekiah's great-grandfather means, My strength is Jehovah. My strength is Jehovah. And Uzziah were told in 2 Chronicles 26 and 16, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to destruction. Here's a man who God had blessed. Here's a man who God had prospered. Here's a man who God had really given everything his heart desired. But when he received the desire of his heart, in other words, the answered prayer, You know that prayer? You know that vow that's been vowed unto God and never been repaid? When God had come through and answered the prayer for him, we're told his heart was lifted up to destruction. He ended up going into the temple 
and trying to carry out that office which only was the priest's office. And God took him. God smote him with leprosy there on the spot. And he died that way. Here we have Uzziah goes into the temple. His heart is lifted up to destruction. Is there someone here tonight and your heart is lifted up before God? Think about this now before you answer. It could be very serious consequence for you. Is there someone here and your heart is lifted up before God? I'm not talking about lifted up in praise and adoration and worship and glory. Is there someone here and your heart has lifted up where you are in the face of God? You are shaking the fist at God. You are saying there is no God when the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Is there someone tonight and you couldn't care less? Your heart is lifted up onto destruction. And your heart is seen by Almighty God. Notice this. Uzziah, he means my name. My strength is in Jehovah or Yahweh. His son Jotham, God or Jehovah, is perfect and upright. Uzziah enters into the temple. What does his son do? His son goes the opposite way. doesn't enter in. Now that's a good thing where he didn't go to try and sacrifice. But how much did he stay out of the temple? How much did he stay away from the presence of God? You know why? Because in the days of Uzziah, the nation was thriving. In the days of Uzziah, the house of Judah, that southern kingdom, they were rich and plenteous and God was with them. But when it comes to Jotham, God is still blessing God is still helping. God is still strengthening. But here we're told he enters not in. What happens? The people take note. And as they take note, we're told that the people did yet corruptly. In other words, if you live your life before your family, before your children, before your loved ones, if you live your life you couldn't care less about the things of God, then don't be surprised if they end up going the same way. If the house of God is just irrelevant to you, your children could end up going the same way. Your grandchildren could end up going the same way. For they will copy the very picture that you paint for them throughout their life. Notice what happens. A generational gap comes. Notice a generational gap comes. You know, we have generational gaps now. We think of the days when the places on a Sunday were shut We think of the days whenever the house of God was thriving with people. We think of the days when we hear even of the early Pentecostals like George and Stephen Jeffries. We think of the times when they were laying hands on the sick and they were recovering. Revival meetings of thousands of people. The Albert Hall, the King's Hall, the Ulster Hall and all the major halls were filled with men and women hungry for the power of God. Do you know what they had? Do you know why it happened? Because those men and women learned The song of the Lord. It's the song of the Lord that brings the man. It's the song of the Lord that brings the lost. It's the song of the Lord that reforms and brings revival. It's the song of the Lord that will bring restitution and reconciliation. And it's the song of the Lord from the church. It's the song of the Lord from your heart and from mine as a collective body that will shine like a light in a dark land and in a dark nation. The song of the Lord, that spiritual touch from God 
where our hearts are moved in his presence. Giving all unto him. The song of the Lord will change your life and change our nation. Can I hear an amen? Here, men like George and Stephen Jeffries, early Pentecostal pioneers, they had the song of the Lord. They stood in the meeting. And as the Spirit moved, they sang in their hearts unto Almighty God. As they sang in their hearts, they lost sight of what man had wrote in a hymn or in a chorus. Oh yes, they sang them and thanked the Lord for them. But they sang the song of the Lord that this Holy Ghost was making in their very heart at that moment in time. And oh, revival came and healing came and blessing came. And all manner of things happened in the church. And oh, this nation was in touch with God. This people was in touch with Almighty God. A generational gap has come. You know how it's come? Our children no longer sent to Sunday school. Well, our children are, but others aren't. Children no longer sent to Sunday school. Children no longer sent to children's meetings and to youth centers and youth clubs where the gospel is taught and where the gospel is portrayed to them in in ways that they'll understand. No longer learning the scriptures. The schools no longer want to do their, 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 their roll call and then have the children there worshiping and praising the Lord. But thank the Lord for the school behind us that does it three times a week. We give God the glory for that. That every child is there singing praises unto God and someone comes and brings them the word. Thank the Lord for it because it's going to soon be taken off every single school because of the European Union, the beast of prophecy. Here we have what we need is the song of the Lord to change our nation. A generation gap came to the house of Judah. A generation gap came where people didn't know the Lord. A generation gap came where no one taught the scriptures anymore. They didn't sit their children down on their knee. There was no family out there. The children weren't praying around the supper table anymore. No one heard the gospel in the house. No, the name of Jesus, as it were, being lifted up. That Yahweh wasn't blessed anymore. That's what happened. And that's what happens in our nation. And our nation now has grew up. And that generation has come up. One or two generations to hate the gospel. To hate the things of God. To fly in the face of God. To have their hearts lifted up toward the Lord. And shake the fist. And say no more God in our land. But yet when travesty and disaster comes. Everyone says where was God in all of this? God was where you told him to go. He was outside the door. He was outside the door. Here, Ahaz means he has grasped. Second Chronicles 28 verses 1 and 2 says, He, notice Jotham, Uzziah, Jotham starts to deteriorate. The people are doing corruptly. Jotham's doing his best, but not great. Then it comes down to Ahaz. It means he has grasped. Second Chronicles 28, 1 and 2, he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Now he goes wayward like David his father. Verse 2, for he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Now you're going to have to really try and grasp what that one line means. There's a sermon in that for a few weeks on its own. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Do you know who one of the kings of Israel was? Old Ahab and his wife Jezebel. The kings of Israel were the ten tribes in the north. The kings of Israel were wicked before God. They brought everything in. 
They used to take their children and put them in a, a, a molten statue, a, 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 a bronze statue, and set a fire beneath it that they would boil their children and roast them alive under their false heathen gods. Yet they were Israel. Sure, we're doing the same, aren't we? We're offering them up in abortion clinics. Hello? People aren't too sure when it comes to their eyes, and Well, we are. It's a holocaust before God. It's a holocaust before God, offering up our children. Ahaz means he has grasped. He did not that was right, but also made molten images for Balaam. That's what Ahaz grasped. And you know, that's what many people in this nation, in our village, in little Northern Ireland, in Ireland, in the British Isles, in the United States and around the West who once knew the gospel, that nations or those nations, many people now have not grasped hold of the things of God. They do not possess Christ as Savior, but no, but the devil has grasped hold of them and he possesses men and women from government level down to the very lowest. Friend, that's what's in our nation tonight. That's what we are praying against. But Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is still in control. He is the all-sovereign and almighty God. And Jesus says, tell the church to start singing the song of the Lord. And I will bring deliverance. Revival will come when we sing the song of the Lord. Here is a national problem. Here is a leadership problem. Here is a personal problem. Here is a family problem, a generational problem, and it all stems from a spiritual problem. Do you know what the problem is in our nation? The bankers, absolutely. The big bankers, that's one of our problems. The government, absolutely. Absolutely, without a doubt, that's a problem. Do you know what the problem really is? And forgive me for I'm not talking about one of you in a personal sense. I'm talking about in a general sense where there's many men and women on fire and in love for God. But in a general sense, you know what the problem is? The church. That's the problem. The church no longer has the fire of God. The church no longer has passion in their heart for Christ. Many, many in the church, they'd rather have a wee story to tickle their ears. Tell me something out of the newspapers and, uh, and, and read me something that will make me feel better. Tell me how to have a good day and that will do me, friend. I want to tell you how to get saved. How to get born again, blood washed and blood bought. And enter the kingdom of God in victory and glory. And overcoming saint of almighty God. That's what the church needs to be saying. That's what the church needs to teach. And we need to walk in victory and power. That's what the church needs today. The church has lost its teeth. It's trying to gum the people into heaven. It's a spiritual problem. Ahaz, he grasped everything that was wrong. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He grasped everything that was wrong and that possessed him. He was ungodly, unbiblical, he was anti-Christ. All the images of Baal. It's an anti-Christ system. The spirit of anti-Christ come into Israel. And you know something? The spirit of anti-Christ is in our nation. It's in our nation in different ways. But you know how it heads it? In the church of Rome. Hello? You just don't believe me? Do you? Should I, man, man? 
Thank you. The Church of Rome. Now I'm politically incorrect saying that. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Heathen, the demon-possessed and inspired ecumenical multicultural spirituality and worship, bringing in their heathen, setting up their temples, bringing in all their ungodliness and setting up their mosques. And now the tail is wagging the dog here that the minority now beats us with the stick of multiculturalism and racism because we say we're a Christian nation. We want to stand for the values of the Bible, the word of God. We want to take our stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say I welcome everyone who's born of the spirit and washed in the blood because Christ is the king of all the earth. But I'll take my stand against Islam. And I'll take my stand against all ungodliness. And I'll take my stand against Romanism. And I'll take my stand against Judaistic Zionism as well. I will take my stand for Christ. Will you? That's what the church needs to start singing the song of the Lord. Not the, he did not lay hold on the commandments of men. The word, the worship, the ways, and the one true living God. Question for you all. Answer in your own heart. What family way or spiritual gene have you been handed down? What spiritual way have you been brought up? What lifestyle have you been handed down? What family trait? Here's the thing. What generational curse? That's a big word. What habitual degenerative way have you been handed down to you? Here's another question for you. Do you want to leave a li- behind a lifestyle, a trait, a generational curse and habitual ge- degenerative ways of a godless, Christless, hopeless, hell-bound upbringing for your children? Is that what we want in Ulster tonight? Is that what we want in Britain tonight? Is that what we want in these island homes of ours tonight? Is this what we want for I want our children to know the Lord? To grow up in the ways of God and to love the Lord Jesus Christ with all their hearts and to serve him with a full heart, a whole heart and that they would grow up should Christ tarry to know the song of the Lord. Hallelujah. The song of the Lord is the spirit of almighty God moving in a man and a woman and they're singing from their heart unto God. Boys are there. Will you just bear with me? Is that okay? Will you just bear with me? I know we're late because of circumstances but will you just bear with me? Will you proclaim the name Uzziah? Jehovah is my strength and not lift up your heart to destruction tonight. Will you shout the name Jotham? Jehovah alone is perfect and see that he alone is without sin and fault and realize your need of a savior and your need of him. Will you testify of the name Ahaz but say I have grasped, I am a possessor of truth, of the word of God and of Christ that he is my possessor and I am his possession. Second Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 2 says of Hezekiah from our reading, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. How does God see you tonight? Hezekiah means 
the might of Jehovah or the might of Yahweh. Or it means the strength given by Jehovah. You know, we can't change. You can't change. We can't save ourselves. The nation can't change unless the strength of Jehovah is in the midst. Unless the strength of Jehovah is in the midst. Hezekiah, he is, he, his name meaning the strength of Jehovah and the name Jehovah is really, you know who Jehovah is? His name is Jesus. His name is higher than any other. Hallelujah. The king in our reading is there, Hezekiah. The priests and the Levites are there. The congregation are there. See the word congregation in the Hebrew here? It's the word the kahal of Israel. The kahal was there. And the kahal gives the idea of the assembly was there. You know who you are tonight? You're the kahal of the nation tonight. You're the assembly in the nation tonight. It gives the idea of an organized body. What does the New Testament tell us when we are in Christ? It says that the church is the body of Christ. And we are that organized body that Christ wants to fill with his spirit. That we would go out of here and out into there. And you and I would show Christ to our nation. That you and I would have the power of the Holy Ghost. This is what the early Pentecostals believed. I still believe it. You see, revival starts in the church. Hezekiah, the throne of David's there. Oh, for gracious queen, is her birthday today. Bless her. God, keep her and save her. Because the other Yahoo's coming behind her. God help us when they do. The Lord Jesus, I'm praying Jesus comes and takes up his throne. The throne of David needs to repent. Here, the, Her Majesty's household needs to repent. Her Majesty herself proclaims to love the Lord and have the, a, a following of the Gospels and grasp the Gospels. Friend, let me tell you, and I, and I love Her Majesty, but I can tell you this. She goes into those mosques and she bows at them. She goes into those Hindu temples. Oh, pray for her that her majesty would take her stand. And that she would stand up, stand up for Jesus. For there we will have the song of the Lord. In the highest place in power. The anointed position on the throne. That it would come from there. And it would certainly move into government. But revival starts in the church. Revival starts when we get back to the cross, to the blood and to the word. Hezekiah slew all those animals and we're told it was the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. You see, there's no revival if there's no blood. And if the blood isn't preached, there will be no revival. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And if you're not under the blood, then you're still in your sin and you'll never find revival. Revival starts when we get back to the altar of self-sacrifice. You know what happens? They put the, the offering on the altar and it started to burn up. And as soon as it started to burn up, of course Christ's altar of the cross is our altar. But here they're bringing a sacrifice that it would be cremated. Now I see when it is cremated. Let me tell you brothers and sisters, when something is cremated, it goes to dust. It goes to ash. You can't reclaim it. You can't take it back again. It's burnt. It's gone. It's done. And it's over. And you're moving on. The burnt sacrifice was one of the highest sacrifices in Israel. And you know in your heart, God wants you and I to lay down upon the altar of our hearts 
everything and anything that's holding us back from serving him, from loving him, from worshipping him, that would limit the Holy One of Israel, that would hinder the Holy Ghost moving. And he says, put it on the altar and burn it up. He says, I will send my fire and I will burn the sacrifice that is upon the altar of your heart this evening. If you put it on the altar tonight. You see, when it is burnt, it's gone and you can't reclaim it. We tell the unsaved, come to Christ and burn your bridges. No why? Because they can't go back. All in for Christ. And it means when you're all in, then you're all out. Out of the world and into Christ. And when you turn around, you can't go back for you've burnt your bridges. You've left your old family or your old friends. You've left the old things you do. And you're loving Jesus and is following him and walking forward. Burning bridges. Friend, here is one for the church for revival. Burn the sacrifice tonight. Burn it up. Set it on the altar. And let God consume it with his holy fire. Getting to my last point. Is that okay? I know we're late. Nor five minutes. That meaning means ten, but I'll try five. Second Chronicles 29 and 27 says, This is what caught me. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began. You see, the first step you take to come to Christ, he's right there waiting for you. See, the first time you say, Lord, it's done and dusted, he's right there waiting for you. And the sacrifice started to burn. What happened? The people that were there, the kahal, the congregation, that's you and I, the body of Christ. The called out ones. It's the ecclesia in the New Testament. And here they're standing around. The music goes off. And the spirit starts to move. And they start to feel the moving of the Holy Ghost. Like wheels of water. Like the blowing winds of God. And they start to praise God in their being. In their heart. And they can't contain themselves. For they cry out to the Lord. And they start singing in ecstatic praise. The song of the Lord. And it's made up in their hearts. And, and given by the Holy Ghost. And they send it forth as a sweet smelling sacrifice unto the Lord. That's the song of the Lord. You see when you're standing here. Do you see whenever the musicians are playing. Close your eyes and think. Close your eyes and think of Christ. And start just praising him in your heart. Start worshipping him in your spirit. Start giving him the fruit of your lips. That you will praise him with a full and a whole heart. And you'll see and feel and sense the moving of the Holy Ghost. And that will bring revival to your heart. And when you revive, others will revive. And when others revive, the church will revive. And when the church revives, the nation will be turned around and changed. And that reformation of the nation will happen. And spiritual resurrection will come. And the nation will be blessed. Blessed because of God's people. That's what happens in a nation. God blessed the nation. God poured out his spirit. They sang the song of the Lord. Revival came. Restoration came. Restitution came. Repentance came. Oh, we forgot that word. Repenting before him. Saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Here's the last thing that came. Here's the last thing that came. Healing came. Healing came. Second Chronicles 30 and verse 20. Things were happening in the nation. And many were sick. Spiritually. Physically. Mentally. 
financially, every way you think, wasn't good. It says, and the Lord hearkened unto Hezekiah. Listen to what he says. And healed the people. Notice, and healed the people. This is what I'm closing with this point. Thank you for your attention. It's been long tonight just with things, but I really appreciate it. The word healed here is a word, rafa. It means to heal, to make healthy, to literally heal persons. That's the way it reads. It also means to heal national hurts. Oh boy, with the debt crisis and with Europe interfering in everything that we have, we have national hurts. We need the healing power of God. We need him to rescue us. It means to heal persons' distresses, to sew up a wound, to heal a person, a people, a land. And I thought, Lord, what would that mean the healing process on this. Listen to some, a couple of scriptures, just throw them out and tell you what it means and then we'll let you get on. Genesis 15 verse 2 tells us of Joseph commanding his servants to embalm and bound up the body of his father Jacob Israel. And it says, and the physicians embalmed Israel, or embalmed Jacob. See the word embalmed, it's the same word for heal, Rapha. In other words, they came and they ministered to that body that corruption would not set in. They ministered that it would not go rotten. They ministered that it would stay in the condition for as long as possible. That's the the exact same word. It means the healing of a body. Now let me show you another one. Exodus 15 and 26. The Lord says, if you hearken to my commandments, I will put none of the plagues of Israel upon you. Then he says, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. The word healeth is Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you personally. I am the Lord who heals you physically. I am the Lord who keeps this people in health. And I am the Lord who will heal you nationally. First Kings 18 and 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me, all the people, and come near. And they came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken. Notice he repaired. The word repaired is Rapha. In other words, he got the 12 stones around, one for every tribe, and he built up the altar of the Lord, and he dug the ditch around it, and it was all racked and ruined. They couldn't worship Jehovah anymore. And it means he repaired the altar. In other words, he healed the altar. That's what it means. And friend, maybe the altar of your heart has been hurt and torn down. But oh, if you start the repairing process and you heal the altar, what happens when the sacrifice is on? The song of the Lord comes. And Elijah said that the fire came down from heaven and licked everything up and burnt it all up. Can you see what God wants to do when you and I learn the song of the Lord? I have so much tonight. Here is my final bit, Exodus 15, verses 1 and 2. Israel are across the Red Sea and they start to praise God for his glory and his goodness. It says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he hath he thrown into the sea. Verse 2 says, And the Lord, or Yah, is my strength and my song. The word song is my simrath. That means he is the object of my song. The Lord is my strength. He is the object of my song. Listen to this. For he has become my salvation. He is God. See the word salvation? That means deliverance. It means salvation. It means welfare. 
It means prosperity. It means victory, help and health. The Lord is my salvation, my deliverance. He is my welfare. He is my prosperity. He is my victory. He is my help. He is my strength. Now I see that word for salvation that encompasses all of those things for healing and health and welfare. Do you know what the word is? Yahshua. Yahshua. Do you know what the word Yahshua is? The word Yahshua is the Old Testament version of the Greek word which translates of Yahshua, which translates into our English word, Jesus. He has become my salvation. In other words, he, the Lord Jehovah himself is my God. He is my salvation. Jesus is. Jesus is my deliverer. Jesus is my victory. Jesus is my help. Jesus is my health. Jesus is my strength. Jesus is my welfare. And Jesus is my prosperity. It's all in Jesus. It's all in him. God bless us tonight. That's the song of the Lord breaks that forth. When you start to sing the song of the Lord. Gary, come and close for us, please.